Hello and welcome to episode two of the Conveyancing Podcast. Thank you for listening and uh, I'm joined today by my co-host Thomas. It's nice to have you on the show again, Thomas. It's good to be here again, must say. Good, good. And um, how was your last week? Um, yeah, getting along well, I'd say. Well, how about you? How was the last week? Yeah, busy, busy as as usual. Yeah, I'm glad tell. to be on the show. Um, looking forward to go through this news, the latest yep. conveyancing news. Yeah. Speaking about news, let's get into it. So, this week's news, all the hot topics, we have found a couple articles here, we've already gone through them a little bit, that will probably most likely interest you. So, let's start with the Law Gazette. This article uh, is about a solicitor who has issued unprecedented proceedings against the SRA. This is an article written by John Hyde. Uh, What are your thoughts on this, Matthew? Yes, um, it seems like this um, this solicitor is alleging that uh, he's been harassed by the SRA, um, that he said they came to his property lots of times, um, and in the end they they dropped their investigation against him. The solicitor is actually of Pakistani origin, so um, he's claiming that it was uh, racism, that they were mm. targeting him unfairly. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what the outcome of that is. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a bit of a tough topic because it's it's not entirely sure if it's racism but if he's the one who's been affected and he's claiming it's racism it also he's you know as he said he he's as it says here he's been uh visited many a time they've they've been to his premises many a time hmm. i'm not exactly sure what this harassment is yeah but... the article's a bit light it doesn't really go into what what the investigation was about in the first place yeah Maybe like it doesn't say yet Mm. But either way, we will keep you all informed uh, on this case if there's anything about it in the future. As Matthew just said, it is very light. Um, Let's just continue with the next one. So this next one's also from the Law Gazette. It's about a convincing fraud gang that has been jailed for diverting deposit monies, diverting Diverting. deposit monies. It's also by John Hyde. Look at that. Yeah, same same guy writing it. Yeah, article, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems that this is quite this is on the rise in conveyancing. These gangs were able to get into um, into obviously the conveyancers' computers, read their emails, and basically follow along the email threads of transactions that were taking place, and this gave them like insight into the transactions. So they could at the crucial moment in the transaction they could send like fake bank de- bank details to get the money sent to the to their own bank accounts um it seems that they've been caught by the police so um hopefully the police are starting to take this thing these sorts of things more seriously and 
yeah. figure out ways of uh, finding these people and tracking them down. Yeah, um, we we've read this article and it's it says here uh, that the gang used malware to steal the login details of these email accounts. Therefore, you know, using this malware, they were able to get into the email accounts and do the entire process, as Matthew said. Um, this is this is uh, in a way it's intelligent. I guess you could you can give them credit for that mm. it's not something well mo most security incidents are due to like a member of staff clicking something that they you know they get duped into clicking something like it comes on a spam email or a, a phishing email an email that's made to look like an official email it just says like yeah and then the malware can get installed on the computer and then that gives the uh, attackers access to their emails and can view their view their screens and stuff yeah it's bad stuff i mean um these these things have been getting heavier i think in general because even me just going on my email at any point in time I usually get a bunch of spam emails that aren't even in my spam folder anymore because they can't be identified at this point. And it looks like a proper email from a whatever company, like maybe even Google sending me an email to my um, hmm. Hotmail account saying, look, you've been compromised, click here to change your password, something like that. And you know, they've got the, the, they've got the pictures all right, they've hmm. got the text all correct, looks proper. And in my opinion, the way, like, this is my bit of help, the way how you know if this is not real or not, if this is true or not, is by looking at the email that's sent it. Because normally it's either a scramble of letters, numbers. Mm. Sometimes it's words that then a dot, then a word, then a dot, then a word. And then it gives you, like, a, a random at and stuff like that. It's very strange. You should always be very careful with these things. Yes, and if um, if it has a link on it, normally the link goes to some website that's got nothing to do with the original email. But th this at the bottom as well, it says um, you should start using two-factor authentication for email and login. Yeah, that that is what most companies are moving towards now. It's, it's sort of like you can't just log in with a username and password anymore. You have to have log. You know, as soon as you log in, it says we've sent a message to your mobile phone. Yeah. And then that means that even if they get your password, they're not going to have access to your mobile. Yeah, I think that's a very good step. I think that's something I've been seeing as well, you know, in a lot of uh, accounts I have. Now they always ask me to set up the whole two-factor authentication because I have, you know, I think it, like anyone probably has, I've, I've um, had some accounts in the past be broken into some way or another. So having the two-factor authentication is good because not only do you get notified that someone's trying to get in, but also they can't get in at the same time, which means, you know, you have the time to quickly change your password so that they don't even, like, have a chance at trying mm -hmm. to get in anymore. Either way, um, in other news, let's talk about this one by the BBC, which is about the construction sector coming back to life. What? Yes. Um, 
it seems that more you know there's more building now um I mean, they've related this to the coronavirus, like which is pretty trendy right now. Like the coronavirus is responsible for everything. Yeah. But it, this basically just says um, a survey by KPMG, which has uh, asked all the building companies, and obviously they're all picking, they're all uh, giving better figures. And there's another article here, Rebound in the UK construction sector, which is along very similar lines. Uh, another survey done by a different company, IHS Market slash CIPS. Don't really know who, who they are. It says the purchases, Purchasing Managers Index has expanded for the first time in nearly a year. Mm. Uh, is that good <laughs> yeah I mean if it's expanding that's good because it's increasing the amount of jobs I guess as well amount of if it if it's giving if it's expanding if it's if it means there's more building now maybe not more jobs I'm not sure actually well for conveyances the more houses bought and sold the more conveyancing needs doing I guess yeah, that's true. I mean, it's the whole, whole bit of conveyancing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, here's another article from the BBC again, which is about well, the title says Welsh self-building housing scheme world first, and if I'm if I have understood this one correctly, because it sort of interested me a little bit, it's um, for people who are wanting to build their own home. Um, are now covered by loans if that is yes um, the Welsh government has put 210 million in a scheme and um, anybody who wants to build their own home can buy a plot of land that already has planning permission on it it's already like um, you can legally build on that plot and uh, the government are also offering loans of up to 75%, which covers the plot of land and the building cost. And um, obviously, so you, you'd only need like a 25% deposit. And um, you only have to start paying it back once the home has been finished being built. Yeah, so that they have no problem with any further costs from there. I think this is really good because in my opinion it's it feels like it's uh better than just purchasing a home because if it makes any sense the people who want to build their own homes they are the ones who who organize it who give it the scale that they want and give it the design that they want if i guess you could say it like that so in theory we have more houses in the market this way as well as we have more of a variety of houses as well hmm. uh, so i think it's also very nice that you know we are that in the event that you are to do or follow this scheme you are given or you purchase a plot of land 
that already has the playing permission. That's crazy good. Like I, not having to do that process as well. And the whole 75% loan is, is crazy too, which means practically all really of your, co uh, of your costs are covered. And then having to pay it back once it's finished, as I said earlier, is like also crazy good. I think this is a really good step forward for what I think I talked about in the last podcast, which was um, the youth, I guess, like having maybe some issues at the moment in, in, in a certain, to a certain mm. extent. I think this is a really good but idea. Shared, shared ownership is better for young people because they don't have to buy the whole home. The government would give a young person like say you buy 60% of the house and we'll buy 40% of the house and you live in it and then when you sell it you have to give us back 40% of whatever the house cost so that kind of helps young people more I think this could yeah. really help it doesn't say it's aimed at young people this could help people who just want to build their own home um, that, like, like you say they want to have control over the dimensions of their house and yeah how they want to live so um this would be good for someone who's already got a bit of a deposit together like a 25 percent deposit so maybe somebody that's moving up the property ladder a bit more i think hmm yeah i think this is a really it sounds very fun to this this whole article yeah i imagine though having to wait for your house to be built and then also when you move in it may not be in like great condition most people kind of prefer to buy a house that's already like established decorated yeah um, i guess it's not for the faint of heart but i do appreciate the government like offering schemes like that because it makes it a lot easier for people all right Let's move on from the BBC to the Daily Mail now. Um, this article basically is talking about how these house builders have lied to buyers of leasehold homes. Um, what is your opinion on this and what is the article about? Yes, uh, leasehold's got a bit of a bad name at the moment because when you buy a leasehold property, you are basically buying a fixed term well your lease could be 99 years or you could buy it and it's only got 20 years left to run you can like renew the lease uh, and normally like you you know the landlords not gonna not renew your lease I think you have like a right to have your lease renewed so but it used to cost a small amount to renew a lease, but those costs have been rising, and there's been cases of people paying like you know forty-five thousand to renew a lease, which is mm. quite hefty. That is. And um, now people are obviously asking more questions about it, and these homeowners are saying that they've been missold it because they were told they were asking direct questions to the builders about the leasehold the terms of the leasehold contract and the builder hasn't been honest with them. I mean, yeah. the thing is that, you know, if you're selling a leasehold property, you've got to be honest about it and um, tell people what it means. Um, not really sure there's much more to say about this, but 
without going into the details of what exactly people were lied to about. I mean, it says the ground rents were escalating. Obviously, that's they're going to have to pay more over time. Yeah, that's not good. Misleading information. That's a bit vague. Um, oh yeah, the people said could they convert their leasehold to freehold later? But obviously, the developer would probably want to hold on to the leasehold, um, onto the freehold. I don't know, Le leasehold, it's like it says here, what is the leasehold scandal? I think that, you know, normally a house is a freehold because it sits on the earth. So you're basically buying that piece of land that the house sits on. So, you know, you there's nobody else. Normally, if it's a flat, then everybody in the flat has... Everybody who has a flat in the building wants to own a piece of the floor. Uh, they have to have like a lease, um, a freehold company that owns the floor, and then all the flats own a piece of that company. It can work that way, or the land can actually belong to somebody else. But with a flat, it's because you're living on top of other people mm. or below other people. So it kind of makes sense to do it that way. But this new thing is selling houses like that. And um, I don't really understand it. I, probably maybe we should come back to this in in a later episode. Yeah, maybe it is for the best. I'm not sure. I mean, what I understand by leaseholding, this is not something I probably really want to get into because I'm... I'd rather be purchasing a house than paying. It's kind of like a rental. I'm not really for rentals either. I'm I'm not the kind of person who would be in a rental because I'd rather own the thing. Yeah, I mean, leasehold to me, yeah, it feels like unfinished business because if you buy a yeah. freehold, you're like, I bought exactly. it and now it belongs to me. But leasehold's like, oh, every 99 years I have to pay to renew the lease for another 99 years. And the, and the and the freeholder could say, oh, we're only going to renew your lease for 25 years. Yeah, it's... But it's complicated it because like the, the freeholder could be a farmer, it could be a, a like a country estate, it could be a con a group of the, the leaseholders in the building owning the freeholder. But... Um, any way you look at it, it, it's just a headache. Yeah. And I mean, if you sell a leasehold, then your name has to be taken off the freehold, you know, um, company. And that's another headache for, for conveyances and, you know, all the, the legal work that has to be done. Hmm. So... I think it's about... Yeah, let's, let's move on to a different article now. We will come back to that one and maybe the other one that we saw earlier on as well. Uh, maybe a future podcast like the um, um, presidential proceedings by that Pakistan uh, solicitor. Maybe we'll come back to those once we have more information or if there are any articles written about them. This next one is also from the Daily Mail and it's 
talking about what taxes are to be paid, what taxes must be paid if you were to sell your home in Spain. Yes. Um, it's basically someone's written in uh, to the Daily Mail and said that they're getting divorced and the house, they had a house, a holiday ha house in Spain, 300,000, and they're worried about the tax, tax implications of that. Um, I thought it was interesting because I don't actually know. I mean, I'm not involved in tax and I don't think conveyance is actually I don't think it's an issue for for conveyances really either capital gains tax um, normally you go and see an accountant about that but I, I was interested by this article because I think there might be people out there who would end up in this situation yeah there's a lot of people from England as well I think mainly England that go to Spain and might own a cheap flat or a cheap holiday home in Spain. If I'm not if I'm not incorrect, I do believe Spain is one of the main places tourist um, destinations. Tourist destinations for the UK. Mm, it's kind and of I, straight south, isn't it? It's like where yeah where you would head. It's kind of like New York people go to Florida because it's like directly below them. Yeah, so it would make sense that there's probably a lot of people who'd be interested in this sort of article and what it has to say because of, you know, a lot of people possibly buying their uh, holiday houses or any house there, in fact. Yeah, I mean, just, I'm only sort of flicking through the article now, but um, it says capital gains tax is triggered when you dispose of an asset such as a property. Uh, it says, but the exception if is if it is given to uh, your spouse um, for no loss, no gain basis. So, like, I guess that means, like, swapping assets. Mm. But if they're actually selling it to get the cash, yeah, I suppose they're not really losing or gaining anything because they're having to dispose of the asset and all they get is what the money they already had invested in it I'm not sure you'd, you'd have to see an accountant about that yeah alright yeah this is um, another interesting article that I don't actually have the answer to <laughs> um, it's about someone's parents were offered they could buy the house that they lived in from the landlord and um, they didn't have enough money, so their children bought it. Well, the the son bought it, I think. And yeah, what's the son? Yeah. They paid for it, and then now the um, parents obviously uh, have died. And he's wondering if he has to pay capital gains tax if he was the one that paid for it in the first place. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But, I mean, if he's got evidence that he paid for it all... I would have thought that he could pretty much convince them that it belonged to him, really. Yeah, well, um, this is a very interesting article, but 
it's hidden behind a paywall. So if anyone is uh, subscribed or signed up to the Telegraph, um, we will probably leave this article maybe down below in the description or on our blog so that you can uh, read it entirely and see for yourself. Yeah, and drop us a comment below and let us know how it turned out. So if we meet anyone in the same sort of situation, we can give them some advice. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do believe this is one of our last articles. It's about a fully reinstated 18th century mansion with an ornamental lake. Well, with 14 acres of gardens as well. Um, as last week, this week we are also showing another nice-looking or another um, incredible house. Sometimes they can be incredible places, other times they just look very nice. And this one is a 18th, an 18th century mansion that's been reinstated. It's got a lovely pond in the garden as well as a bill it's a it's a taller building so it's it's two it's so, sort of two buildings that are together hmm. meshed together one of them looks like it's probably the newest part and the other one's more of an older yeah older I mean, Georgian properties tend to be very square, very well-built, um, solid foundations. And so the main part of the building, the bigger part of the building, looks Georgian, but there seems to be like an older part on it that's maybe um, Tudor. Yeah. And it's got, it's like, the main building's over three stories. It's got huge bay windows, and the second part looks like, you know big old barn roof and it looks like it's had a loft conversion at some point unless that was original yeah. it looks like it's got a massive amount of space there I mean it's called Park Hall and imagine yeah. having 14 acres of garden you could drive a motorbike around the garden or something yeah it's very big gardening it looks like a very nice establishment look um, at the number of trees you probably have enough firewood there to last forever yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about firewood anymore at all. It looks very nice. The interior is... its it, it looks the part as well, in my opinion. looks very classy. It's got a nice tiny chandelier in this living room here. Mm. Sofa's very clean. It's, it's very aesthetically pleasing, in my opinion. The last one we saw was, as I, I think I said, it, it was more of an Alice in Wonderland esque kind of place because it had more of a fantasy vibe that's it was what more I felt. twee and um smaller rooms more cozy yeah. wasn't it this, one's this is quite... just massive this is a very large living room with two big identical sofas i must say it's big chimney too it's also got sort of a greenhouse it's not a greenhouse is it it's more a like an outside area it's off the lounge it's like a conservatory off the lounge, so yeah, you can keep. Very nice. You can like stay out in the sunshine even when it's cold outside. Mm. It helps to heat the house as well. That's a very nice house. It'd be nice to grow some plants in the conservatory and. 
nice little shot of the bedroom here as well. It's got a very bright. Yeah, it's very bright. I was gonna say it's, it's very good. It's very good um, house in my opinion because there's some houses, uh, many houses you can find nowadays that don't have this amount of windows or windows that have that much light going through them. This place is just full of windows and looks really nice, must say. There's stables for the horses. Oh my god! I mean, it is a, a couple couple acres, isn't it? I mean, well, thirteen. It says fourteen acres in the description, and then here it says thirteen acres. A lodge, a stables, a manege. I don't know what that Three is. Three base stable and a manege. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> and the beater's cottage could is currently used for storage, but could be converted into accommodation so you got like oh. another house on the land there yeah another house like not just a guest cool bedroom they've got a whole house well not an entire house but yeah it's like a a separate place that's pretty crazy and this kitchen's gorgeous it's got like an island oh God, in the yeah. middle where everybody can group around it's got like an arga it's just got everything you know tudor beams yeah oh and that that middle that middle island isn't actually like dug into the ground. It's actually like just an, an actual proper... Yeah, you could just move it. It's like a Yeah, you could move it at any point and do something else in the kitchen if you really wanted to. This is a, a really um, massive house. Like if you had a like party, very open. Although there's a, there's a sink on the island, so it mustn't be able to move. Otherwise, the pipes would break. That's true. That's very strange. I'm confused now. It doesn't look like it's on there though look at this garden it's got a bridge oh my god <laughs> yeah wait so is that pond actually a, a, like a part of a river then I'm, I'm very confused I don't know it must be fed by a river otherwise it would yeah. kind of dry out wouldn't it that's um, right so that's located in Great Bardfield near Braintree Essex, Essex. it says pretty crazy it was the scene of wild winter skating parties Oh, winter I'm, skating. I'm, so that yeah. pond must freeze, and then you can ice skate on it. Oh, that's what that means. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it probably would. No, I mean, being in the countryside, no city heating or anything in winter, it probably would freeze. Oh, that's pretty fun. Either way, um, I think should we be ending the past podcast with this article? Do you think? Yes, I think, I think that's. That's enough for today, isn't it? Yeah, um, the rest, we, we found maybe a couple more. They they didn't seem too interesting for you guys. I think this, we've covered the, the, the biggest things this week. I mean, there's so, so many articles, and they're all really interesting, and like it's just going to take more episodes for us to cover yeah. more areas. And like when we get an area that we find interesting, we might do like special podcasts on those areas where if people drop comments below and they're like how you know ask us questions what about that should we cover that i mean we're not yeah, like yeah. convincing experts but we we want to like you know delve into it with our listeners try to cover areas that they find of interest yeah we we have our basic understanding and we want to learn more and we want to help you guys keep up to date with all the convincing news that might interest you 
um, you know, house prices going up and down, uh, these sort of cases, everything that might interest you. So either way, to finish off this podcast, I'd just like to say, make sure, as we've said during the podcast, make sure you comment um, down below anything that you found interesting about the podcast, anything you'd like to tell us, um, uh, any, like Matthew said, any points you'd like us to talk about, maybe an article specifically or a couple. And with that, uh, make sure you subscribe, uh, you like, and we'll see you next week.